Weather, we're exploring the latest in trucking technology, talking about the trends that propel the industry forward, or uncovering stories about the dedicated individuals who keep the wheels of America turning. This is where the roar of the engines and pulse of progress come together. It's sublime. It's surreal. It's the Heavy Equipment Podcast with Mike and Joe. Welcome back to another episode the Heavy Equipment Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Boris, here with Hot Mike Schweitzer. And today is all about trucks. It's been a big week for truck news, Michael. Well, I'm not even going to give you a chance to get into the Tito's in the union meeting. <laughs> I know. I know. I just I just got out of this meeting, and I was so glad I stopped and had a couple of drinks in a way I knew we were going to be recording. And then, you know, the first thing you hit me with here on our, our little agenda, and the guys in the background are waving their arms telling me to look at these cue cards. <laughs> there the Chevy 2500 ZR2 off-road. When when did they release this? They launched that this week. They launched that uh well it's actually last week but we were uh you know too busy recovering from the Thanksgiving turkey drop to realize it. <laughs> we were talking about Gravely which supersedes anything. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can't have a conversation, a serious conversation about equipment without, you know, mentioning gravely. But for 2024, for the first time ever, Chevrolet is releasing a ZR2 for the Canadians listening. That's a ZR2 for the, you know, 2500 series HD. And this is, I got to tell you, man, I think this is a pretty serious truck. No, this is a serious truck. I mean, looking at this thing, it's got a lot of qualities to it. It's got the 6.6 six in it. Uh, one thing I was looking at, too, it's got 35-inch rubber on it. It's got a full suspension package. Does the 6.6, six, does it come with the Allison Trans? Yeah, couldn't tell you. This is actually why you're on the show. <laughs> well, I know. You're supposed I'm, to know these things. You sprung this on me, and I haven't had a chance to read up on it. But I will tell you this. It's got a torque is good for 18,500 pounds. There's a good article in here. A car and driver does this. It says it shrinks where fifth wheel towing is concerned, the advantage that diesel provides. That's not a verbatim quote, but that's what they're getting at is that we're getting close back to the days where we don't need to have the diesel. Right. And, you know, the OEMs are like, listen, if, if you don't want a diesel, we're going to build you a gas engine that's going to let you do it. But they put it in this thing, which makes it awesome because you can tow with it. So in the days of talking about electric and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and plug everything in. They're basically like, yeah, we have all that and we have the Hummer truck and we have everything, but you know what? Here's something else that burns gasoline. Their price point isn't even that bad on it. You know, 82, 83 grand, depending on, you know, whatever, but you brought up a good point. Canadian guys. All right. If you're North of the border and you're sitting out there and you're watching these things roll in on the truck and you're at the Chevrolet dealer, you know, you're out there collecting syrup. What's different about a truck? today that goes north of the border like this one is there less emissions controls is there no difference is it all the same now yeah they're they're mostly the same now um you're gonna have some real minor differences in terms of like turn signal colors and height things like that the regulations are slightly different but the manufacturers don't have to really change anything from one market to another there used to be 49 state cars or 49 state motorcycles that were legal basically in every state except California. And, right. uh, and that would be kind of similar to Canada, right? Canada kind of has something similar to a California emissions. Um, 
but, but yeah, I don't really think that that there's any difference there. This is something that if you're going to buy this thing, whether you're in Canada or Mexico or California or Colorado, it's going to be the same vehicle. Uh, I looked it up, by the way, that happens to be the hydromatic. That's a six speed hydromatic transmission, which, you know, honestly, I, I haven't heard anything but good comments about that hydromatic. Yeah, we we have a bunch of them in the fleet. Those are good transmissions. I, I asked because the new 2500 HDs that we're getting have the 6.6 with the Allison in it. As an option, we get it that way. But either trans has been just fine. We've got a bunch of models on either one. So, the, you know, and the, it's funny. I was at the GMC dealer the other day, and it says uh, we, we literally just ordered some trucks just like this, not as a ZR2, but as a 2500 SLE. And they make the same comment to me. They go, well, you just want the standard bed, right? And in my head, I was like, well, standard bed's eight foot. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Oh. Now it's a long bed. Eight foot bed is an eight foot bed. A standard bed is now the six foot six, six foot five, whatever exact, you know, uh, measurement that they're calling it. The car and driver even calls that out on the ZR2. And they talk about the crew cab and the standard bed. It, that baffles me. Like, I get it. You put tailgate down, you get eight feet. But mm. I wonder if you can get this in a long bed. I wonder if some contractor that, you know, that's owning a small construction company wants to have a cool truck, zip around to the jobs with, can get that in an eight foot bed, put a toolbox in it and still have the six feet behind it. Well, I think it, it kind of speaks to the fact, and, and maybe this is the wrong place to say this, but it kind of speaks to the fact that a lot of these trucks are being purchased, not as work vehicles, but as commuters, as luxury cars. Well, yeah, exactly. See, in in our industry, we have this weird gray area of people that are higher up, shareholders, owners, owners, kids that are out working and they want a cool truck. They still need it to be maybe a little bit out of the normal, like a long bed or something like that. So I was just curious if they're going to offer it that way. And also, is there a GMC version of this for the guys that are the diehard three-letter bandits? Yeah, I think that's a, a really interesting question. There doesn't seem to be a version of this yet, but I think similarly, there's not a Silverado version of the Denali either. I think they well, they kind of push that more towards the Lux end. And then this ZR2 thing. I mean, the ZR2 thing, if I recall correctly, wasn't the first ZR2 like a Chevy Tracker? And it was like the off-road. The two-door. Yeah. The two-door off-road SUV that was a true SUV at the time when it was released that had the uh, S10 front end on it and shared some of the similarities with the hood and the fenders and stuff like that. Yeah, it was it was a true off-roader, and it, that was kind of in that time frame in the late 80s when the ZR1 Corvette was out. And that yeah, ZR1, that's right. And the ZR1, they used to call it the king of the hill. And that ZR2 was like the king of the hill off-roader package. Mm-hmm. My parents in 1995, going back a little bit, they bought a brand new uh, Chevrolet Blue five-speed Z71. It was actually a pretty rare truck. And they had that for a year or two and then traded it back in. They got the exact money out of it that they paid for it because it was kind of a unique thing. The Z71 was a was a really off-road capable vehicle. The, the ZR2 had a additional ground clearance and it had the um the skid plate and the extra protection under mm-hmm. the oil plant oil pan to oil uh, planet. Yes. Oil planet. Yeah, the oil pan 
and it also had, if I recall correctly, and I, where you could lock the differentials from inside the inside the vehicle. It was one of the first vehicles to have on the fly four wheel drive where you didn't have to get out of it to lock those front axles. Joe, I, I think this is where, you know, we need to talk to everybody and let everybody know we're going to be launching our own Facebook page. And then if they <laughs> want to send messages and comment on things like this, they're more than welcome to, because I'm kind of curious for like the Chevrolet mid nineties guys that are like really into those options where they're like, yeah, from October of 94 to September of, you know, 95, you could only order it with this lug nut, lug nut cover, right? There's I guys mean, out there that know that stuff. And I'm kind of exactly. curious. I'm kind of curious in all honesty to pull that knowledge and say, okay, what came on that thing back then? Like, like what was really on it? Yeah, that'd be a good, uh, that'd be a good show. But today we're well, still right. talking we're... about this 2024 deal. Oh, the, no, 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 no. Uh, rockier tracks like these are best tackled with the ZR2 Bison package, which adds a winch-capable AEV steel front bumper with integrated fog lights and a pair of massive recovery points, an AEV steel rear bumper, and a similarly beefy recovery points from the rear. Yeah, that's a good-looking bumper, too. I just found it. It is. It's very nice. That way, when, you know, when you're stuck in the sand down on the Baja, you can get yourself <laughs> out of there. When you're getting rescued by a guy in a suzuki jimny and his buddy in a, uh, <laughs> baja modified 73 super beetle and they're just shaking their head at you trying to rescue this thing in the they're loose like, sand because it weighs nine thousand pounds I, Listen, I when they roll up on you in those things and you got the paddle wheels in the back and then all the empties fly out when they get out of the seat you know you're in good hands you know you're in good hands the miller high life's hit the floor <laughs> They hit the sand. You just hit the sand. And that's they, it. They, and there's enough of them that you hear the tink, tink, tink. Exactly. And they just crunch on them all the way over to you. Now, to, honest to God, true story. It's a Chevrolet related thing. So you can let me go on my rant about this. I worked with a guy and we were out on a job site. This other guy that was temporary help from the union hall locally, car battery was dead. Old Chevrolet van. Okay. This guy's got a Chevrolet square body, the 80s, like quad headlights, you know, the two, the stacked headlights, square body Chevys. I know what the square body is. Yeah. So he he rolls up to this guy's Chevy van, you know, those are Chevy guys. So they're like, hey, man, what do you what's going on here? He's he's like, what's the matter? Because my jumper cables are smoked. And the guy's like, oh, I got some. Well, he didn't. And then he was all mad because apparently his idiot brother took him out of his truck. <laughs> and then so. He rolls up to the guy, smashes the bumper against the other one and takes this big crowbar out and just puts it down between the two positive poles on the battery and yells, crank it. Thing fired right up. Oh, my God. I, I shit you not. He takes the crowbar, throws it down behind the seat of the square body, goes tough like a rock. And he slammed the door shut and took off and just literally blew rooster tails and left and got back out onto the, the hall road and took off the job. I, I couldn't, I was beside myself. I was like I, all this equipment around and here's Neanderthal ways of jumping two Chevys together, but it happened. You know, he's driving home. He said the, the stereo don't work. Eight track is sitting on the floor. Wire sticking out of it. He's singing. Bob Seeger, we love you. Oh, I love Bob Seeger, dude. I got to tell you, on the opposite extreme of Bob Seeger, you got to put Bob Seeger up there among the all-time greats. 
I, I'm in uh, Chicago, and apparently there's some kind of crazy love affair in Chicago with the band Wilco. Oh, not yeah. Here, not here to say anything negative about Wilco, but I sure shit ain't going to say anything positive about him either. And I got these tickets with my brother-in-law to go see Jeff Tweedy, who is the one of the founding people of uh, Wilco. And I was like, yeah, I'll go to a concert. That sounds cool. It's at this Frank Lloyd Wright building. So it's kind of an interesting thing. Oh, nice. Nice venue. Oh, yeah. Beautiful venue. And I was like, Margaret, we got to check this out. We got to listen to some of this Jeff Tweedy stuff so I know what I'm getting into. And we went on Spotify and got his like top songs. And I think like the first we were like halfway through the third song. And Margaret goes, can I turn this shit off now? And I was like, I can't go to this concert. I I'm getting a freaking fist fight with a bunch of middle-aged white dudes. I have no idea what good rock music is. I gotta get out of here. Like, listen, son, I'm gonna take you on down to Wrigleyville. <laughs> yeah, Boys Town is all about Jeff Tweedy. Not for me, thanks. You still in there? You got quiet. I was waiting for you. You put the mic down. I didn't know what you were doing over there. Oh, I, I do that to type. Were you were you checking the turn signal color difference between North American and Canadian, which is still North American, but we segment them by calling. Well, no, because now we have NAFTA, so all that just goes just yeah, flows. NAFTA, the super American fucking highway. It's done nothing but ruin this country. And we're going to get into that right now. Let me tell you something. <laughs> when they're when they're hauling this Chevy product on the NAFTA super fucking highway, and then all we have to, no, I'm kidding. You can get it all. <laughs> We're not, not editing any of that out. <laughs> Listen, Ross Perot went on TV and said, if they pass this NAFTA thing, you're going to hear a huge sucking sound coming from the South, and that's going to be all the jobs leaving this country. And absolutely true. That is exactly what happened. And it don't matter if you voted Republican or Democrat, because Bush and Clinton both loved NAFTA. All of their corporate buddies loved that deal. Oh, yeah. Absolutely hosed the working man. It destroyed manufacturing in North America for a generation. And it is only now 30 years and a pandemic for it to come back. And it's not even back yet. It's coming back. Yeah, that's my point. It to turn it around took 30 years and a pandemic, probably longer than 30. I'm just being generous. No, that's exactly right. If you had any kind of consciousness of the kind of lifestyle that we as Americans had before NAFTA, it would blow your mind. You got to think about this. The Simpsons, which has been around since before NAFTA, is one of the few shows that has still been around. This is a guy with a high school education and a blue collar job, and he could support a family of four own a house with two cars and have his dad in a nursing home. And Correct. that was considered normal. Correct. If you watch married with children, that guy was a manager at a shoe store in a mall. He owned a three bedroom house and a Dodge dart. And it was considered normal. Nobody batted an eye that this guy owned that house and lived in that suburb working as a shoe salesman. Because that was how it used to be. If you had any kind of full-time job, you could support yourself. Correct. You just had to work. That's it. You just had to get up and work. And if you wanted something extra, you wanted something a little nicer, you could buckle down and make that happen for yourself. And it wasn't a Herculean task. The house that we're in. Herculean. Yeah, like Hercules. 
Where on the table of elements does that baby land? Herculean. Oh, right between uh, Labian and Majorum. <laughs> hey, did you know that uh, Dwayne Johnson can turn lesbians? Why? Because rock beats scissors, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move along to the second news item of the day. The second truck that we're here to discuss. This is the Tesla Cybertruck. Now, this was a vehicle. They originally announced it in 2019. It was supposed to be on the road in 2021. Last week, last Friday, they finally announced these things are ready for production. They're ready for delivery. They're delivering 10 to specially selected people. And if you want to get your Cybertruck in Q1 of 2024, they will let you jump to the head of the line for a low, low price of $120,000. What is the price tag? $120,000 with what? No, no, no. $120,000 plus the price of the vehicle. So the basic model is about ninety grand. The the only model okay. that they're delivering right now is about ninety grand. So for well, the when lo- first release that it was thirty nine. Correct, but that vehicle doesn't exist. The closest, of course it don't, and it was never going to. The closest thing to that is the rear wheel drive model that is sixty nine nine or sixty thousand nine hundred rather, and that is not going to be available until twenty twenty five at the earliest. Sorry to keep just throwing out like one one liners there. I feel like Ed McMahon, but that's uh, what the Tito's is for. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> here's the thing: this truck's cute. You can it's roll right. around with it. People are going to look at you. It's going to be different. You're going to plug it in. You're going to move around. What's the? Uh, is the range still 500 miles like they were toting before? Are we down to 300 no. or 240? We're down to two something. And then you can put like a, you know, like a tool bed in the back of it, like a toolbox in the back. Yeah. You can down 175. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. You can put a toolbox in the back that is packed with batteries. So you can have like a range extending extra battery pack in there. Here's what I want to know. And I met with them today and this is what's got my brain it, it just constantly thinking. I was in a product launch meeting with the men from Milwaukee tools. And we were going over some product and some battery options and some stuff that they're going to do and very intriguing, very cool stuff. They're constantly innovating over there. Can't say enough about that, that, that team. When will they build a truck? So that's really interesting, right? Because Greenworks. I'm on a roll. These last, these last episodes, I've been coming up with some good stuff. (laughs) You've definitely been drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's interesting that you bring that up because there's a company called Greenworks that they do like the 18 and the 24 volt and even now the 40 volt, you know, lawn and garden tools and pressure washers Mm -hmm. and things like that. Well, they released last year a go-kart and a mini bike. I've seen this. Now, this year they released a full size UTV side by side. And a dirt bike motorcycle, like a motorcycle motorcycle. Nice. Very cool. So they've gone from go-kart mini bike toys to like a a, a true side-by-side, like a Kawasaki mule or something like that. It's a utility body. It's kind of like a golf cart with a pickup pad on it. But I mean, it's something that you could use. And this makes total sense because if you've got 
a bunch of gardeners or gardening crew, you've got a relationship with Greenworks, you know the products are good, and you're thinking, oh, I just need something to tool around the municipality or the college campus or the zoo where we do all this work. Why wouldn't you go, man, you know, this this weed whipper works great, this leaf blower works great. Why wouldn't you try the side-by-side, especially, you know, it, it's 13 grand, and that's not a lot of money for one of those anymore. It's not. Well, the, the market on those just keeps climbing. I mean, I see you see them used for that. You see so. them used for that. Exactly right. So, you know, this is a little bit different than what we were originally talking about. You know, we're talking about the this big hundred and something thousand dollar electric pickup truck. Here's a completely functional, totally usable little electric pickup truck, 60 volt that you can put to work on your college campus and your parks department in your municipality. Yeah, this is like those right-hand drive uh, Japanese trucks that get imported. That's right, the little guys and the guys broker them. Yeah, yeah. And you know, Milwaukee, if you do listen to this, we love your products. Build a truck. Build a truck. Give me an and what I want to see, I want to see this giant slab battery come out of the back of the bed that I plug in <laughs> and pop into the bed again. And then when I'm all done, I got a 500 mile range. 500 miles, a lot of range, dude. <laughs> your whole pay, your payload's going to be 40 pounds with the GVWR. Of I just want to cruise battery. around in it. That's all I want to do. I want to cruise around in it just like you're going to do with the Cybertruck. That's it. And that's all they're going to use this thing for. I can't imagine. So, I mean, look, you're a fleet buyer. You manage a ton of assets. You've got 50, 60 drivers in your fleet like this that, that people drive around. Even if it was 40 grand, you can't we have, we have honestly a, we have over a hundred. We have over a hundred people that honestly could be switched to electric tomorrow. Right. But you can't honestly tell me that you look at that cyber truck and go, that's something practical. I'd buy that for my fleet. That's my point. No, it's not. And it, and yeah. it has a place. It's places for we talked about luxury before with the ZR2. That's its place. It's a luxury toy for people to drive around and go, I got the cyber truck. It's outside. They made 10 of them. I have one of them. Next year, they're going to make 20, 30. <laughs> Next year, they're going to make 20. Uh, they'll make 10,000, maybe. Really? Is that what they're projecting? Oh, they're projecting half a million. They're going to, they project they're going to outsell the Ford F-150. There's no way that's going to happen. <clears throat> so here's the problem with that theory. And, and Elon's very, you know, listen, he, he put a rocket out there. We can't, yes, you know, if, if you speak wrongly, if of him he will put a rocket right up your ass so he, here's what we're look, gonna he do he put a rocket up but he didn't land it i thought they did i thought they landed the spacex and well, set it down they, well that pad. was the booster rocket not the starship one. Oh, right right, right. Yes, yeah. yes, yes yes starship yes, yes, just went yes. right right it, it, it did the full duck dodgers when planet x gets destroyed <laughs> this is time to put marvin the martian in there <laughs> we got him Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. The Illudium Pew 36 explosive space modulator. That creature has stolen the space modulator. Yes, my space modulator will take your pickup truck and turn it into a semi. But this is that's that's who this truck is for. That's the Marvin the Martian truck. You know, you're going to be sitting there going, you'll see that thing out in front of a club and go, man, I wonder who's driving that big butch son of a bitch. Some dude's going to roll out five foot four, huge biceps, 
tap out t-shirt and he's going to leap up into that thing like a kangaroo. Yes. With wearing kit vipers. Exactly. And you know what's going to happen? Somebody's going to put a picture of that up on TikTok, a little short clip of it. And the Saudis that are out there in the Middle East saying, listen, guys, you're going to go all electric and you end up living in caves are going to go. See, that's what we're talking about. Look at these people foolishly wasting things. I think the Cybertruck is cool because it does have a bunch of technology on it that is it's a different approach on things, which you need to have variety. You got to have a variety and you got to be able to look at something and go, that's different. I wouldn't have built it that way, but it's out there. It's on the road. Okay. <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> this is what makes America work because we build stuff here that is impractical, unsupervised. And next thing you know, it is out on the road. We're working on it. It meets all the regulations. It meets all the stuff that it needs to meet. I'm not saying they're putting out a death trap, what I'm saying is, is that this is why the variety that we have in this country is so amazing. Look at other countries, what they drive. They're all driving a bunch of Toyotas, and anytime it breaks down, they're putting wheel bearings on it on the side of the highway, literally on the side of the road while they're working on it. That's true. They dust themselves off with the sand, and they use it to rub the oil back out of their, out of their hands. They get back in it and keep going on with their day. Yeah, I mean, that's fairly accurate because in different parts of South America, you know, where I had a lot of experience and spent some some time in my childhood, it was fiats. But that's exactly yes. how it was. There were dudes packing yes. bearings literally on the side of the road and, you know, they'd pull up next to you in a tuk tuck or a Vespa or something and they'd have parts strapped to the back of it. We talk about this all the time. So we're going to talk about this <laughs> because this is a good segue into this. And we're talking about trucks. So we're talking about this. In other parts of the world, trucks are massively overloaded. Sideboards, 20 guys hanging out of the back of that thing, holding a, a ton of watermelons or whatever the hell they're trying to, to get to from one village to the other. And I'm being serious because that's the way it is. It's 100% chaos all the time. They take a block of wood. Oh, I have a problem with the wheel bearing. They drive up on the block of the wood. They get it up off the ground. They change the wheel bearing right there on the side of the road. Not with a new wheel bearing. They make one out of five used ones that they've got underneath the back seat. They put all the bearings back together, smack that baby back in its ass, and they put it down on the road and they take off. That's right. In this country, we go, oh, no, I need a new truck. That's <laughs> true. Let's think about this. Let's think about this. What happens when new trucks are unobtainable? Well, listen to this. I, I'll have a, a different conversation with you. It's along the same lines. There's a, a group of guys that I talk to. They're called a SOTU, Automotive State of the Union. They do a lot of shows and meetings and events that primarily focus on dealership training, dealership life, that kind of thing. And I try to talk to them a lot about EVs and electrification because that's kind of the world that I live in. Right. One of the things that we were talking about was that there is a huge number of sales, not only new, but used vehicle sales that are happening right now. Despite the fact that interest rates are high, despite the fact that we're real close to, if not at all time high for right. a lot of these vehicles. And the reason it's happening is that people don't have cash. So what does that right. mean? What that means is you bring in your vehicle. It's got some issue. You've got a $3,000 repair. There is no way you can come up with that three grand. However, the dealership is more than happy to roll three grand into a new loan 
So it adds 15 or $25 to the monthly payment of a vehicle that you maybe had your eye on in the showroom and you roll out of there. Not only are you negative equity the minute you drive off the lot, but now you're negative equity plus three grand because the dealer tells you, well, you know, I would give you six for the trade in, but I'm only going to be able to give you three because as you know, it needs three grand worth of work. But then the problem is they don't ever put that three grand into the car. They pocket it. And then they wholesale the car to some poor idiot. And, uh, you know, now you've got all these vehicles on the road with all these problems. You've got people on the road driving vehicles that they're upside down and underwater in. And the only person really making out on this is the dealer. Absolutely right. And to be bluntly honest, I ran in a fleet for a 36-month stretch with that exact philosophy. We're going to get a new truck because I'm not putting the money in that one. And I'm selling this old truck that has an issue. That's and it. my mechanics would go, you have to be out of your mind. It only needs this, this, and this. I don't care because it's worth more than what I paid for it. I'm sending it down the road. I'm buying a new truck. This is before the price really escalated, before there was a big jump. Now we're at the big jump. I'm back to repairing things again. We've Which is done, still spending. We're still spending, but we're spending, and I believe our our hope, and we've done numerous calculations on this back and forth and anybody that's looking at any kind of cost calculation on a truck listen to me you have to find that balance point of what do you want to get out of the truck at the end of the day and i'm not talking money i'm talking it's total circle of life cut the lion king Sometimes you need to spend money on a truck to get it to where you need it to be because it's going to save you on the next one. And that's part of the balance. And, you know, we we were in a, a budgeting meeting the other day. They're like, well, let's talk about some of these numbers and we're going over them. And I'm bringing up the stuff on my phone and, and I got, you know, my other guys and my staff. So they're, they're sending me some stuff as questions are coming up. And the point being is now we're transitioning back into what you talked about which is fix it instead of sell it and buy because we have the cash to do it. What our problem is, is you're exactly right. Most people today don't have the cash. This goes back to what we're talking about with the Simpsons and what seemed to be realistic 30 years ago. People can't afford it. They take their Chevrolet Duramax Allison truck into the dealer and they look at them and go, it needs $9,000 worth of work because you bolted this thing on it. Mm -hmm. And they go, oh, no, I have to go up front. Yes, you do. So, and not that anybody's ripping anybody off. This is where we are today. It's a scary spot. You can't finance your way out of a paper bag because the paper yeah. bag's got no security to it. And believe me, it's getting wetter by the day because your sweat coming off your forehead is really eroding the same thing you're standing on. And that's the problem that we have right now with all these trucks. It doesn't matter if you're talking about the Ford electric one, which we're going to talk about next, talking about something that you've imported from Japan or Saudi, or you're working on the ZR2. Most people in this country don't have the cash sitting in their pockets to go and say, I'll just buy that. That's what I want. I need it. I've got to, I can, I can reconcile it and I have the cash to do it, or I have 50% to put down. Yeah. That's the old school days. I talked to my dad about that stuff back in the 60s and 70s. He's like, when, when they started making payments on cars, 
he's like, listen, you still needed to have half plus in your pocket. Yeah. Because you're only making so much an hour. So you saved up, you, you know, you wheeled and dealed, you got yourself into a car and you put half or 60% down and then you financed it and you had like a $30 a month payment. But he's like, he goes, trust me back then though, you sat there and you went, oh, I got to make that car payments $30. 30 bucks was different. Okay. It's sickening to people like my parents who look at these trucks and go, how can you get 85,000 out of that? How can that be a hundred? We bought a brand new 1995 International 9300 with a Caterpillar engine in it and a 15 speed. Nothing super fancy, but also got the job done. And we paid 99.8 for it, brand new, and rolled it off the shore with all the extra shit on it so you could take it down the road, haul heavy equipment. That's, That's what I'm it. talking about. We're in a weird trick bag right now with some of this stuff. Politics has nothing to do with it. It's Social well, control no, over no, no. your spending. Hang on, politics has a lot to do with it, but it's it not does, but left. It's not left politics versus right politics. That's what I'm saying. That's before. what I'm saying. It has nothing to do with left or right, red or blue. It has nothing to do with that. No, that's what I'm getting. It's You're the right. capital class. It's the financing class. It's the people that benefit from the interest you pay. It's the people who collect the juice that goes into all these deals, the people that collect the 3% out of every credit card transaction, the people right. who made it so that those, you know, when, when someone does need help, instead of getting cash or a check that they can go spend, they get a snap card or something. And 3% of that, instead of going to the store goes to them. So the bank gets money when they issue the card, the bank gets a piece of it when it's deposited, the bank gets a piece of it when you spend it. It's right. the people who are running the money who are, becoming middlemen in every transaction because think about it you've got a, a, a vehicle that's being manufactured everything that's being bought to build that vehicle is being bought on a company credit card or some other po that gets paid with a company credit card so one and a half to three percent of that is going to the banks then that right. means the price of goods is one and a half to three percent higher then now you're assembling all of it now you got to ship it so that shipping cost when you pay that trucker, when the trucker puts gas in his car, when the trucker pays, when the driver pays yeah, for his the meals, whole thing. every time someone touches it, one and a half to three percent goes to some middleman. And that guy is doing nothing except collecting money. And they even have cute little names for it. Passive income, mailbox money. But it's money that is going from people who work, from people who build, from people who actually get things done. And they don't provide anything except, quote unquote, a service. And it's, it's a service that didn't exist for 150 million years and didn't have to. But here we are. And now it's on every transaction we touch. It's legal loan sharking, eroding the efforts of the working man and taking the middle class and driving them separately farther away from everybody else because they have to depend on it. And all these trucks that we're talking about, their price tags are reflective of that. Absolutely. And that's what I, that's that's the thing. It's like you look at these trucks, yeah, that Chevy ZR2 is amazing. And it's absolutely worth the price tag they put on it because they have to put the price tag on it because of the way things are working out. I, I you know, I have these discussions with with you know vendors and, and large OEMs and all kinds of platforms. I'm like, well, you know, how does this hold up or what, what's different about something? And so we started out talking about Canada versus the U.S. 
But I'm always like, well, what what happens in the Middle East or what happens in South America with this same Wacker Newsom generator? Oh, well, we we um we don't sell this there. Or there's very few, there's very few brands that do where you yeah. get when you unbox this Wacker Newsom or or whatever, there's very few that when you get it down in South America, you get it in other areas, or Elon's, you know, gem mine gets a brand new light plant. <laughs> oh, who are we kidding? They use candle. It's very few that are the same. Okay. Yeah. And what I'm getting at with that is because people elsewhere can do more with less. And it's That's scary. Right. It's scary. Well, it's not that they can do more with less because we don't have an option. When we are given, when we as Americans, no. hang on, when we as Americans are given an option to get something basic that'll get us from A to B reliably and get the job done affordably we flock to it two years ago ford dropped the first true compact pickup the united states has seen in 20 years they dropped that's ford, right the ford maverick 19950 it was the least expensive new ford you could buy number one Right. It had 52 miles per gallon, number two, and it had a workable pickup bed and room for four adults. And the dealers immediately put a $10,000 markup on it, and there was still a year wait for that thing. That's right. So when we are given the option to buy something basic, to buy something that meets our needs, we line up to buy it. Look at look at the Honda Civics from years past. That's right. They couldn't get them here. They couldn't make them and assemble them in this country fast enough. Look at the old Toyota Corollas. They couldn't get them out of Spring Hill, Tennessee fast enough. I am not wrong. You're not wrong. It used to be that way. It should be that way. And it looks like someone else has learned the lesson of the Ford Maverick and Stellantis is bringing that Ram 700, which is a car-based, Fiat-based little mm-hmm. pickup vehicle, sort of like the old Chevy Love or you know Nissan Hardbody back. Well, in they the did 70s have a Ram. Ver- what what was the Dodge version of that? They had like a. It was a Rampage. Car. Rampage, yes. Yeah, that was a nice vehicle too. Those are heavily sought after by nuts. <laughs> by absolute lunatics. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lee Iacocca dug himself out from underneath a 300-pound pile of cocaine. And said, what if we built a Shelby GLHS turbo K car, but made it look like an El Camino and then screamed out of the room. And someone else said, is he serious? And Tom Gale and Bob Lutz looked at each other and said, let's do it anyway. That's exactly. Yeah. And then from that giant office with a Pentastar in it up in Detroit, which is still up there today. They all reared up in rare form, jumped out of their chairs and went, get everyone on the phone because we're changing the front of a Daytona and we're putting a pickup on the back of it. And they, they didn't f- know what to do. No, they were just like, all right. Yes. And then and then here's, you know what? We're going to talk. This is great. We're talking about this. This is great. Chrysler's motorsports background because they were filled with crazed people back then. They. Well. Two two turbo. We're gonna we're gonna road race it. Get us SCCA license. That's what we're gonna do. And exactly. and they built all these crazy ass cars. They built all these crazy cars to go out and do stuff. They built trucks. 
they did the the Baja running. Remember those the Rams? Oh, yeah. Our friends built the engines for Chrysler that were sent to the crate motors before uh what's his name that won. Yeah, no, that was that was a big deal. And then yeah, we were on the other side of that. We were on the IMSA side of that when I was down at, at back then it was called Consulier in Florida. We were building those 24-hour and 12-hour Sebring cars that were all and, and this was unheard of in the late 80s completely composite monocoque chassis frame vehicle and we were doing the two two liter chryslers as well and those things were running all night <laughs> like you'd get those things stopped and they had huge radiators and intercoolers on those race cars and it yes. would still be glowing red when they pull into the pit you just be like oh god <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it is and and here's the thing I'm trying to look this guy up. Mopar sponsored this guy back in the early 90s, late 80s. Getting back to this. Well, I mean, in, in the 90s, see... it was Brian Stewart and those guys, you know, the Walker Evans guys. Walker, yes. So well, our friends built the engines for Walker, and they sent they sent them a lot of parts and pieces and that, and then they were doing that. But they were saying that back then, those trucks, they were heavily modified, and they, they were reworked to death. But Walker was what, you know, took the old school approach. And he built some overly simplistic trucks for a very long time. Yeah, the Walker Evans, uh, uh, I can't remember what it was called back then. It wasn't the Ram. It was the D-150 race truck. Yeah. That had the same motor that NASCAR was running in Winston Cup. That was the, the 355 yes. motor. Yes. And they had the same suspension guy build that Baja truck as, as was building the NASCAR, the NASCAR chassis. And that was the first truck to do it in under 24 hours. They did a 20 hour, 48 minute uh, run to La Paz. And that was an incredible, incredible run. That was in the seventies. And even oh. years and years later, they were beating that run by like minutes, like not hours, like just minutes. Exactly. And, and but we call it heavy equipment, but this is all related to the, the heavy equipment industry, all these trucks, right? Oh yeah. And the Ram 700 potential us release. There's no reason not to do it. You need a vehicle that's going to get 30, 40 miles per gallon that you can put a couple of adults into it. And, yes. you know, it comes back to the right tool for the right job. Right. Oftentimes, whether it's a contractor, whether it's a handyman, whether it's a, a construction fleet, oftentimes you don't necessarily need payload. You don't necessarily need towing. What you need is a bed. And the Ram 700 is going to give you that. That's it. You're just going to throw enough in the back of it to take take a little bit of something somewhere, and you still need to get some people around, but you need the bed to keep it separate. You don't need a trunk. You don't need a hatch. You need to set the stuff out back. This thing has a total place. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, there's industry people that I know, you know, they laugh at stuff like this. And it's funny because then three years later, you see them driving something like this, or some of their people are driving it, right? It's interesting. This is a 1.3 liter, 100 horsepower inline four cylinder. It's all it needs. It's all it needs. It don't weigh anything. And this is like, remember we talked about the canyons when the, when the canyon came out? Oh, yeah. And when the canyon came out, everybody laughed at that thing. They're like, oh, it's overpriced. You can still buy a 1500 for that, or you can buy an F-150 for that much money. That was very short-lived. Yeah. Then the Canyon had a price break. It became popular. A lot of fleets picked them up. The same reason we just talked about. You just need enough room to throw some basic stuff in the back of that thing if you have to run it somewhere. That's it. 
That's exactly right. And if you're using the right tool for the right job, you're going to have a more profitable fleet. It's just that simple. That's it. Now, the last thing that we want to talk about here today that is on the agenda, we'll make this one quick. We've got the Ford F-150 Lightning. All I have seen all over social media for the last two, three months is that EVs are dying. The initial EV surge, the craze is gone. Demand for EVs is slumping. It's all going downhill. And the Ford F-150 Lightning electric pickup broke its monthly sales record, doubling from September through October, doubling in deliveries and sales. They still can't build enough of them. You see them everywhere. You see them everywhere. They're popping up. The reality of all that was not that people couldn't sell them. It was that dealers had gone crazy and ordered $122,000 XLT Lariat versions of this truck. And what they needed to order was work truck and tradesman versions of this thing because those they can't keep on the lot. Yeah. You just needed some XLs and some XLTs. XL, XLTs, and that's it. And these, these King Ranch versions, these Harley Davidson editions, they're not moving. And it don't matter if they're electric or diesel. Those high-end $125,000 pickups are not going anywhere. And it's just like in 2008, 2009, when things went sideways and all them drywall contractors that were buying C5 Corvettes and running them over to Chuck Mallet's shop up there by you guys, all yep. those dudes went under and all those cars got repoed right out of Mallet's lot. That's right. How's Robbie doing, by the way? You know, I haven't heard from him in quite some time. I was just at the... Maybe uh, he's down on the Baja. He's down in the Baja. So he's actually not. I'll tell you what he's doing. He's doing... <laughs> uh, he's got those uh, jumping water dogs that he takes to the dog shows. He's got these little yappy oh, dogs that he, yeah, like, yeah. he throws the Frisbee or whatever, and they jump yeah, out over the pool. Cool. They Good go like that. 20 feet. So in Chicago, once a year, they have the American Kennel Club and they do the dog jumping championships here. And that's where I uh, run into Mr. Roberts. I'll see him again here in a couple months. Well, I think your son's out growing the ability to run and jump into that pool with the dogs. But <laughs> I just throw him. I oh. do the, <laughs> I give it the full. Uh, what's that guy's name? Peter Dinklage. Just grab the back of his belt. and. Oh, him. yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe that he'll drive gonna, That kid's going to swim like a dolphin. When he's when he grows up, he's going to be communicating with whales. He's going to be a marine biologist and he's going to walk out there and stand on top of the mighty, mighty fish, mammal, whatever, and reach down in there and pull out that Titleist. We're going to be so proud of him. Well, we're going to close this off with the original theme song from Flipper. We'll see you boys next week. Tune in next week for more Heavy Equipment Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, or wherever you find podcasts. Uh, uh.